0: Good Robertson, thank you for listening to this special encore presentation of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand new edition program next week. Our guests will include legendary entertainer Pat Boone. In the meantime, we will lead off this hour by welcoming back our friend Marvin J. Wolf, Marv Wolf, author, journalist, screenwriter, rack on tour, and a man who has led three lives. Life number one being a combat photographer. Life number two being a freelance photojournalist. And his third life, which he is still actively uh, living today, is a freelance author, writer, and journalist, screenwriter for more than 30 years. Marv is also a novelist. His latest effort, A Tale of Two Rabbis, is the third in a series of mystery novels featuring Rabbi Ben. Rabbi Ben, a master of the Torah, the Talmud, and Taekwondo, who is also a discerning student of human nature. We'll tell you more about a tale. Of two rabbis, as well as uh, uh, Marv's other books, in just a sec. But first, Marv Wolf, welcome back to our program.
1: Oh, well, glad to be back. I have to say, a minute ago, you scared me. You said a man of three wives.
0: Oh no, no I said three. Those three lives.
1: That's much better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
0: don't know how many wives you had. And uh, well. this
1: one, and she, she has passed. Yes. So. I have no wives and <laughs> no regrets.
0: Yes, well, that's, that's all, all good. If memory serves, one of your inspirations for the Rabbi Ben series is the Rabbi Small series by Harry Kemmelman. Is that correct, or am I, am I thinking of something else?
1: No, it's true, but in a, in a sort of negative way. When I first began to toy with the idea of writing this series, and it was always going to be a series, it's never going to be just one book. I went back and read all the Harry Kimmelman books. All the rabbi slept late till the rabbi passed out. <laughs> <at> the <library. laughs> and they, they are very entertaining. And they were uh, precisely the kind of book I didn't want to write. And they, they are wonderful books. I don't want to say anything bad about them. But that's not who I am, and that's not what I want to do. The, the first thing about them is they're all set in a mythical New England town. And we see not only the rabbi get older, we see him have kids, we see him settle into this community and become friends with most of the community. And we also see him struggling with his own congregation. Most people don't know this, I suspect, but a a rabbi is an employee of the congregation. They can fail to renew his contract or they can renew it. It's kind of up to them. And the them uh, is the board of directors, the movers and shakers of the congregation. And for the most part, in all the congregations I know about, uh, with a few exceptions, uh, most of the board are the the better healed people. They're the people who contribute a lot of money to the synagogue. And for that reason, uh, they tend to want to have some some say about where that money goes. So that puts him on the board of directors or whatever the synagogue calls their board of directors. So part of his ongoing struggle is not only to find out who killed the gas station owner's wife and why, uh, but how can he keep his job, yeah. basically? He often has to do things that some of the members of the, of the board uh, don't care for. And, and it isn't just that synagogues, but especially small-town synagogues that have a lot of entrenched leadership. They tend to be very conservative in the way they make changes. Anytime a rabbi comes in and says, well, I'd like us to start doing this now, they kind of cock an eyebrow and say, well, what's wrong with the way we're doing it now? Anyway, that's part of his story, and that's part of those books, and that's fine. I wanted my series to be a, about a guy who is a rambling a rover. He's not a, never in one place for very long. Mm-hmm. And that would give me an opportunity to talk about different communities and how they were different and how they suited uh, what he was up to in that particular community. Now, in A Tale of Two Rabbis, Ben, who has never been able to have a pulpit, that's the other thing. When I first started to write this series, I talked to several rabbis that I knew. Yes, I'm a guy who knows several <laughs> rabbis, <laughs> uh, including one who was a very good friend of mine and wasn't a rabbi for all the time that I knew him. And then he became one just a couple of years ago. And he's now uh, has the pulpit of a synagogue 50 miles away from where I'm now living. We
0: were talking about what makes uh, the uh, Rabbi the reason, Ben series different the from the, that the Rabbi he small series.
1: have... His own pulpit mm-hmm. is that he had a very serious communicable disease. It was communicated with blood. Uh, and if you'll read the book, you'll know what it, you'll very soon find out. And he is in Pittsburgh in this third book to take part in what was an actual, was and is, an actual university trial for a new way of curing this heretofore incurable disease. Uh, which had to do with gene replacement. And I read up on this and I realized that this would be excellent, excellent way to introduce a complication into anything that he was doing. And that would be, he'd have to be in this hospital bed for a couple of hours every day. And then he'd be weak and not really able to exercise. He's a guy who runs five miles every morning Mm -hmm. or more. He would be off his game. And he really wouldn't be looking to solve any murders or anything. So there's, there's the hitch in the go-along. He is accidentally runs into a couple of bullies trying to beat up on a little kid. And he can't help it. Uh, this is the two days after he's had his first injection of gene therapy. Mm-hmm. And he goes after the bullies, chases them away, saves the kid. And then he passes out in the street. And when he wakes up, the kid's mom is there. And the story proceeds from there. The kid's mom, wait for it, and her wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming either when I read that either. Uh, no, when I read nobody no, sees it coming.
1: <laughs> and, and her wife want him to help find a missing rabbi, an elderly gentleman that they are very attached to, who is the spiritual leader of a very unusual synagogue in a Pittsburgh suburb. And as he gets further and further into this, he is drawn into a a maze and a hall of mirrors where nothing is what it seems to be and no one is who they claim to be. And I don't want to give the story away, but in order to survive all this, he is continually on his toes. He's attacked by a guy with a uh, baseball bat. Mm -hmm. He is attacked on another occasion by four or five men with shotguns. They try to lock him in a burning building. They do lock him in the building. They blow up his car. And in the end, the cops in the town who he's become friendly with, the town is called Pittsburgh, decide that he has to leave town until they figure this out. Uh, They don't want him to get killed, So they take him out to the airport. They told him, we can't keep protecting you if you're here. We think we know who's doing this, but go visit some friends for a while. Go somewhere, anywhere, just get out of town. They take him to the airport with a minder, uh, and that's the last 30 pages of the book.
0: Marv is with us via Skype. Marv is the author of A Tale of Two Rabbis, the third entry in the Rabbi Ben mystery series, the first two entries being A Scribe Dies in Brooklyn and For Whom the Chauffeur Blows. They're all available in paperback and for the Kindle through Amazon.com wherever books are sold online. For more information on Marv Wolf, go to MarvinJWolf.com. Marv Wolf is the author of the Rabbi Ben mystery series. Rabbi Ben, a crime-solving rabbi who uses Talmudic logic to piece together puzzles. I don't know whether this is designed, but just listening to uh, your description of the character... And what you wanted to do with the series, um, I mean, he's a rabbi without a synagogue, essentially a man without a home. And, and you wanted him, I mean, you wanted an element of roaming as part uh, of each. Yeah, I
1: wanted, I wanted him to be rootless. Okay. And because another one of the things that inspired this series is a radio show that I used to listen to when I was a wee boy and then later became a TV series. It was called Have Gun, Will Travel.
0: And that's, that's very deliberate, because at one point, I believe in the first novel, uh, which I know as the tattooed rabbi, but it's now known as For Whom the Chauffeur Blows, Ben describes himself as a paladin, which kind of touches on the question I want to ask you. It sounds like, in a lot of ways, Rabbi Ben is sort of a contemporary cowboy.
1: A traveling cowboy. Traveling cowboy. As, as we say in the movie business, a traveling angel. <laughs> That's that's a real type. Yeah, Uh, the archetype is uh, the fugitive. So in every episode of The Fugitive, which ran what, four years, five years, four years, four years. Uh, You're the expert on this. (laughs) (laughs) In every episode of The Fugitive, this doctor is looking for two things. First of all, he's looking not to get caught by his pursuers because he is a fugitive from justice. And secondly, he's looking to find the man or men who killed his wife, for which he was uh, unjustly accused and convicted. And along the way, he encounters people and he helps them. And it is this helping, usually that leads to a lead for his next episode or leads to him almost getting caught. Because every time he stops someplace, his relentless pursuer comes after him. Mm -hmm. Well... Like the doctor in The Fugitive, I wanted my traveling angel, my rabbi, to be an ethical man. There's an awful lot of detectives in fiction who are not ethical. Now, the worst thing about writing a fictional character is to have him be perfect. Can't be perfect. There's got to be something wrong with him, Mm -hmm. you know, something major, some obstacle. Uh, We all know that from from writing movies and, Mm -hmm. and fiction and from just watching movies. So part of the fugitive, the TV fugitive's problem is he's too kind. He helps people who ask for his help. He's also a doctor, so Mm -hmm. he has those skills and he puts them to use. He has to make a living somehow, and being a doctor means you really could work almost any place. Anyway, that was on my mind when I began to set up the paradigm, the story of Have Gun, Will Travel, which is even older. Mm -hmm. Uh, is about Paladin, uh, a knight without a master. And that goes back all the way to medieval year, uh, times. In the late medieval period, during the reign of Charlemagne the Great, Charles the Great of France, he died and his knights refused to swear allegiance to his successor. And they became, in real life, for a time at least, like Ronan, like the Japanese idea of a samurai or a knight without without a master, in literature they became traveling angels. They mm-hmm. became paladins. They went from place to place doing good works. And being that the literature of, of the medieval years always had to have blessings of the church, there was always something about a godly act in there. They saved. Versions from uh, dragons, I suppose. I haven't read any of them. They're, they're all in medieval French. I don't even read <laughs> But anyway, I, I, I know summaries of them. Anyway, that that was the sort of character I was looking for. So all of this you know, goes back to some, one of the first things you learn in creative writing is somebody's always done it before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You borrow what you need and you leave the rest and you go on and you borrow from somebody else. And then you add your own unique twist to this.
0: Yes, so that it is a Marv Wolf novel, not Marv Wolf trying to write like somebody else. Marv Wolf is the author of the Rabbi Ben mystery series. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more item if you're like me and want to eat better this year. Our friends at Factor have more than 35 inexpensive, pre-prepared, ready-to-heat and ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, restaurant-quality, and dietitian approved meals that will make eating better, everyday fun and delicious and your weekly meal planning a whole lot easier with no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup necessary. Check out that stuff by going to factormeals.com forward slash talk. TV50. If you go to Factormeals.com forward slash TalkTV50, you'll find more than 35 different options a week to choose from that are ready to eat and, best of all, less expensive than takeout. Sign and save right now by going to Factormeals.com forward slash TalkTV50 and use code TALKTV50 to get 50% off your order. Factormeals.com forward slash TalkTV50. Use promo code TALKTV50 to get 50% off your order. That's code TV 50 at factormeals.com forward slash TALKTV50 to get 50% off. We're bringing this up only because the name of the show is TV Confidential. So there are elements of Have Gun, Will Travel. There are elements of The Fugitive. There's also elements uh, I mean, I don't know whether this is deliberate, uh, uh, Marv, but uh, there are elements of Rockford insofar as Rabbi Ben, at least in a tale of two rabbis, is a reluctant hero. He does not want to get involved in this investigation, but because <laughs> of
1: happenstance,
0: he cannot help but be involved.
1: So we're going here to Maverick?
0: Is that what we're going? Well, no, going go back to archetypes. I mean, there you, you, yes, have, exactly. you have you you have have the reluctant hero. And again, Huggins was not the first guy to come up with the reluctant hero. That's a classic literary character. But going back to what you know and what you want to bring in terms of creating your paradigm for the character and for the series, that is not a bad archetype to draw from.
1: No, it's not. The other thing is it, it allows Ben to be very choosy about what kinds of jobs he takes. Mm-hmm. And if you go back through the whole series, what I've written so far, what have been published so far, uh, he meets a congregation and they have two problems, but they're only telling him about one. And he's savvy enough to realize that they're covering something up. And he's very reluctant to get involved with them. But for, finally, he does get involved. And sure enough, the thing that they were covering up is what, uh, what he winds up having to fix and as it turns out the thing they were covering up is linked to the thing that they were talking about they were they were all part and parcel and in the second book he's asked to find a long lost codex codex is what the romans called a book
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just precious but priceless artifact and he says why me i don't know anything about i don't know anything about this you know i i can't i can't tell a genuine from a fake he said, why? Why would you want me to do this? It's got to be somebody else. And then they could persuade him. And in this case, what persuades him is a beautiful woman. And away they go. So yeah, I hadn't actually thought about it on a conscious level, but there it is. Too bad I can't call him. He's passed. You know that. No. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. But wherever he is in the great either I'm sure Roy Huggins is smiling, you know. <laughs> I'm sure, <or> maybe not. <laughs> well, well, yes, you break up a good point. Roy was very discerning, but yeah. if he read the first chapter of A Tale of Two Rabbis, for example, your first chapter passed what I call the Roy Huggins rule, which is basically the rule for any sort of dramatic storytelling, whether it's for the screen or... Start in the
1: middle of things. Start,
0: start in the middle of things and... If you do your job correctly, the reader will be asking, okay, how did this happen? Why is this happening? And how quickly can I find out more? In other words, you know, start in the middle of things, create a curious hook that gets the reader involved and makes them want to know more.
1: Yep. We should tell your audience that you and I know each other because we both knew Roy Huggins.
0: Yeah, there's one of many things we've had in common. Uh, uh, Marv and I are also part of a a professional association known as ASJA, American Society of Journalists and Authors. Marv Wolf is with us by Skype. He's the author of A Tale of Two Rabbis, the third entry in the Rabbi Ben mystery series. And in A Tale of Two Rabbis, Rabbi Ben reluctantly probes the disappearance of a rabbi in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania only to find himself under suspicion of the murder of another man a tale of two rabbis along with the other two entries in the Rabbi Ben series a scribe dies in Brooklyn and for whom the chauffeur blows all three are available in paperback and in Kindle uh, and Kobo and wherever ebooks are available uh, as well as amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, wherever books are sold online. For more information, Marv Wolf, go to MarvinJWolf.com. Okay, as long as we're talking about literary illusions, and again, I don't know whether this is, let, let's just assume it's not conscious, but since we both read mysteries, we're both familiar with certain contemporary novelists. Uh, Rabbi Ben, he is a traveling angel, he is, uh, he is a palatine, he's a knight without a master when I hear a hero described as a knight, and when I read A Tale of Two Rabbis, when I read For Whom the Chauffeur Blows, I'm reminded stylistically of the work of Robert B. Parker, in that, like Parker, your writing is very lean. You say a lot, you describe a lot without using a lot of words, which is not easy to do, and you do a deft job of mixing action with romance. And Ben's relationship with Miriam kind of reminds me of Spencer's relationship with Susan.
1: I haven't read many of Robert B. Parker's works, a few. Yeah. And and this was never done on, on a conscious scale. And if you recall, in the first book, For Whom the Chauffeur Blows, mm-hmm. he is pursued by a number of women who are interested in him romantically. And yes. he he puts them off because, number one, he, he's traveling. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be there very long. He's not. Going to, he doesn't want to get involved with anybody. Uh, and number two, uh, he's not in a place where he can have a relationship. He's it's just, it's just not.
0: We'll continue our conversation with Marv after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk